podcasters, first podcast of the year. I'm Jack. Today with me is Jamie. Hi. Kieran. Hello, everybody. And Owen. Hey, Today how's it going? We're talking about climate change, specifically coastal erosion. And we're going to kick it off with Owen. Owen has a few things to say. Okay. Um, hello, everybody. Um, this part of the podcast segment is to do with the case study on how sea level rise is affecting the west coast of Ireland. This segment's intention is to bring awareness to this problem that already has impacted County Galway and to the most vulnerable that are impacted. For the next five minutes or so, I'm going to share with you the research that we carried out as a team for a critical skills white paper assignment on coastal erosion and flooding. So just to give you a little brief background, sea level rise is causing the ocean to heat and causing the volume of water to expand. Melting land-based ice sheets and glaciers are adding to the total amount of water in the ocean. There is a one millimeter per average sea level rise in the country. It of course varies throughout the country, but the Environmental Protective Agency plan predicts more intense storms and rainfall events in the coming years. In February 2020, we had the wettest months recorded with storms Kira, Dennis and Jorge. And between 2013 and 2014, Ireland was hit with six Category 3 and 4 hurricanes. These storms, with the combination of tides, caused 30 metre waves, the highest recorded in 60 years. The Atlantic Ocean washed large boulders towards the Iron Islands and Galway Bay, flooding Galway City and surrounding towns and villages. Bolly in the Hound was one of the, those towns that managed to make the headlines. It's a Gwaeltocht area, about a half an hour's drive west of Galway City. The town name translates to River Town, so it may not be a surprise that it got flooded. However, what got flooded is surprising and disturbing. So let me take you back to January the 6th, 2014. Rocks and boulders were washed along the west coast and knocked over a graveyard wall. It was at Moore's Cemetery. Coffins and human remains were exposed by the high seas which crashed onto the burial ground. This event was not observed in Galway City or County Council strategic flood risk assessments or its five-year plan on climate strategy documents. These reports do not include the physical and emotional distress that is caused by the changes in the physical environment. A similar storm occurred on January the 2nd, 2018 with storm Eleanor. The sea rose above the sea walls in Galway City and flooded the city streets. 311 properties were flooded in Galway City and general services were forced to close. Thousands of people were left without electricity, causing distress to the community. 
Many roads throughout the country became impassable, while the main routes of the city were treacherous with considerable surface water. The census in 2016 revealed a 20% increase in persons over 65 years of age living in County Galway. The people living in these areas would be prone to solstalgia. This is a new term that I've learned over the course of this project. It is the physical and emotional distress that is caused by changes in the physical environment. COVID-19 brought new terminology like social distancing and community transmission. So, climate scientists are predicting that these storms will increase. Just for a couple of other statistics as well from the census of 2016, 40% of the Irish population will live within five kilometres of the coast. And from these, 40,000 live less than 100 metres from the nearest coastline. Besides the hundreds of millions of euro damage that the sea level rise and flood, flooding costs already cost the taxpayer, rural and coastal towns are already affected by the sea level rise, especially if you live near the River Shannon. Insurance companies are already altering their policies for residents living in these areas. People in coastal areas may be forced to move People could lose their jobs, their livelihood. Poverty, disease and quality of life will suffer if the fences are not put in place. The Minister and the incoming Minister for Communication, Climate Action and Environment needs to be aware of the current situation of Ireland's coastal erosion and flooding in the most vulnerable locations of the country. The coronavirus pandemic has come out of nowhere and demanded our attention. How long will this problem be pushed aside and people become another statistic as the vulnerable die? The decision to adapt to the change or try to mitigate is one for communities to decide, as well as county councils and politicians. We need to act before it's too late. The political system that we have in this country has been focused on short-term fixes. This is going to need new leadership if we're going to survive and not go under. Excuse all the bad references, but a band-aid solution will not stop the leaks, nor will the sandbags. Galway needs permanent structures to prevent further flooding. So, so that was a mouthful for everybody to get. So over to, is it over yep. to Jack again? Just yeah, to... that was good on. You don't, don't see the how much of a problem this coastal ocean is. We have Jamie Lee now up talking about the background, giving us a bit more information. Hi guys, so I'm going to talk about the process itself um, and then the impact from recent storms that we've had and the possible future detriment we'll have on our land and economy. So the coast itself is constantly changing because of wave action in our seas. The waves are responsible for erosion, deposition and transportation of material along the coast. And this has crafted and shaped the land that we have now at the moment. So coastal erosion has played a massive part. And 
there are five main processes involved that play along the coast. So we've hydraulic action, abrasion, attrition, there's air pressure and solution as well. So the force of our waves is hydraulic action and it drives heavy materials like rocks and pebbles up against the coastline and this causes the erosion. So abrasion um, and attrition. Abrasion itself is when the rocks start to hit off the coastline and start to break and crack the rocks and attrition occurs when heavy materials cross off each other and then become hurled forward by the force of the waves and when this happens some of the heavy material break down into smaller particles and may not travel as far and this then leads to it landing closer to the sea itself and lots of pebbles and stone bits up on beaches and stuff like that. So air pressure is also a significant step in coastal erosion. Um, air builds up in cracks and it already formed by the abrasion and attrition processes. Um, so they make the cracks bigger. So as the waves retract, pressure increases, causing severe strain on the rock, which in turn worsens the crack further and it breaks apart from the rock form that it was part of already. So there are also acids in our water that dissolve the rock as well, um, specifically limestone and chalks. And specifically in the Midlands near the Shannon, there's a lot of limestone rocks, so it's very effective around those areas. So Ireland's climate also plays a big part in coastal erosion. Our climate's heavily influenced by our position on the Atlantic Ocean, and our island is warmed by um, heavily influenced by. Oh, sorry, I missed that one. Our island is warmed by North Atlantic drift. So we receive strong winds and heavy rainfall levels annually because of our maritime climate and it's in the west and southwest that the highest levels are recorded every year. Also in the south and west coast we receive very high wave energy at around 2-3 to three meters um, and as I've said the waves play a massive role in coastal erosion and therefore the, these parts of our island are the most affected by climate change's severe influence on coastal erosion processes. So reoccurring storms over the last few years also have escalated the severity of the erosion and these storms have increased wave energy and rainfall levels which the rainfall levels have led to more flooding as well and it drives the harsher effects of the processes of coastal erosion as well as the flooding. So it damages infrastructure and the land itself is damaged by these processes and flooding of course um, causes severe um, severe pressure on the people living in the coastal towns. So many southern and western coasts in Ireland are abundant with coastal towns and sites and there's many businesses and infrastructure in place to attract tourists and locals and when the storms um, such as the ones that occurred in 2013 and 2014 happened they posed like a serious threat to businesses and infrastructure along these coasts and they interrupt the livelihood of these people that are living there. So according to the Department of Environment, Community and Local Government, the damage caused during the storm period um, in, in 2013 and 14 cost our country 110 billion over eight week period. And this cost increased to 260 billion when insurance claims were um, considered. So more and more storms are being current as we've seen recently. We've had a good few storms over the last few years many of which have been very high scale. Normally we receive yellow or orange warnings, which um, mean the gale winds and stuff are very high, which will definitely increase the severity of the erosion process along the coast. And studies have shown that from now to 2060, they'll be expected to have a 15% in increase in storm occurrences over Ireland. 
though with a very minimal cost management monitoring in place at the moment, I don't know if we will be able to withstand the pressure that's involved with um, these storms and the effects of the erosion that come with it. So alongside the problem, we're obviously in a pandemic now, which is going to cost our country a lot of money as well, even putting us back into a recession. So possibly if next year's storm period was to cause a lot of damage, would our country be able to cope? And if efficient coastal management was in place, would our risk be less uh, significant? I think these are a lot of questions that we should be asking about this topic because it's a very serious problem. And now that we are in crisis already, and when this one's over, we may have another one coming if we don't act soon. That's basically all I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. And I'll be talking. Thank you. For pleasure, Jamie. I'll be talking now about the media and just add on, though how these questions aren't being answered and like why people aren't getting informed or actually realizing they need to ask these questions. So the media plays a crucial role in informing the public and media and many media organizations like RTE are built on the ideals to inform, educate and entertain the audiences. And recently, a lot of these media organizations have been focusing more on the entertain than the inform and educate, which can be seen through multiple examples around the world. Uh, The media can be a useful but also dangerous tool when it comes to making change. Studies of the media and and its coverage of climate change show that during big news events relating to climate change, such as the Australian bushfires or uh, shortly after a Greta Thunberg speech, that interest and activism for climate change increased sharply and promptly decreased as quick as it increased. Um, The process of dual screening plays a huge role in this. this. Dual dual screening process is when you're watching news on the TV, for example, and you have your phone in your hand and you go on Twitter and you tweet about it. Then someone else sees that and then creates emphasis on one part of the news or one part of a show. And then that has a knock-on effect of what happens and how activism reaches people and the news. Um, This process is when you might be watching news and hear the invention. For example, polar bears are now on the verge of extinction. As a reaction, you might go on your phone and tweet about this before the news even ends. And then there's a there's a hashtags and there's huge emphasis on how the polar bears are going extinct, where the news might have been talking about the increase in pollution. And then that might be one of the knockoff effects. And then that gets ignored. Um, not that polar bears shouldn't be helped. It's just, you know, <laughs> just an example. Uh, the incorporation of the media would result in government implementing proper flood defense so in terms of coastal erosion you can see recently even with coronavirus um, on the news every day you see the deaths and infection rate and the amount of infections but you don't see the amount of people that have been like out of hospital or amount of people that have recovered so that's just a way that they're like a relevant example to show you how how media can like change the way you think or like keep you from thinking certain things so that's why important bit about our project and post erosion is that the media needs to be involved so people don't just see these ugly flood defenses being put up that they actually know the reason behind it and um you can see multiple examples of where flood defenses have worked before in countries like netherlands and germany and it's just the media needs to be implemented for these reasons that like the public actually sees that there's been work done actively and that doesn't get lost in the 
new media world. So now we'll move on to Kieran, who has the solutions to all this. Thanks, Jack. Mentioned briefly. Okay. Thanks, Jack. Um, some great work done by everybody else on the team. Um, my job is to tell you about the solution. So for every problem, there's a solution. And the main solution for flood defenses and coastal erosion anyway, will be to implement large infrastructure projects. So flood defenses like dikes and storm surge barriers. And I'll be looking at this question through a couple, or I'll be looking at this method for solving through a couple of different questions uh, that will hopefully help you understand. And these are, why, why is this solution required now? Um, why will flood defences work, uh, where and what defences should be implemented along the Irish West Coast, and then uh, also how much these defences will cost. So um, as uh, Owen and Jamie previously mentioned um, in their pieces, um, this um, problem is not something that's going to happen generations into the future or years or decades. It's not something that we have to worry about now. It is something that we have to worry about now because the sudden increase in all these storms, it's causing massive damage to uh, communities and towns along the West Coast. And these storms can cause a lot of expenses because the government obviously need to uh, pump relief money in to help people of those areas. And that can be very expensive. So although flood defences, as I'll touch on later on, flood defences will be very expensive, but they are an investment. And if you spend the money on flood defences now, then you won't have to spend the money on relief efforts for further floods and storms that those flood defences would have stopped. And so, like I said, um, this method will work for a couple of different reasons, but the the main reason why it will work is because it's tried and tested. So, like Jack said earlier, other countries have implemented flood defences uh, and in a very successful way. So, uh, the Niedersachsen region of Germany and the, forgive my pronunciation, the Oosterschelt Dekeren Dam of the Netherlands are, are two areas of, and two countries that have really done some great work in, in implementing these defences. And um, if these defences or these style of defences were implemented to Ireland, then there's no reason why we shouldn't see similar results. So like I said, the final solution for the west coast of Ireland will be to introduce the system seen in a place like Niedersachsen. Um, Niedersachsen is in the north northern region of Germany. It's, it's just to the west of Hamburg. And this region has implemented defences such as primary and secondary dikes, storm surge barriers, flood protection dunes, and salt marshals. So in 1962, this region saw a huge storm, um, which caused 3 billion Deutschmark in damages, which is roughly 1.5 billion euro in today's money. And this was before the primary flood defences of Niedersachsen were constructed. Um, since 1955, 2 billion euro has been invested in flood defences of the region and the damage costs like the likes of the 1962 storm surge have not been seen since the implementation of those primary flood defences. And like I said, like 
there's no reason why if Ireland were to introduce these sorts of defences, we would also see a lowering of the cost of the damages that the Irish government would have to um, pay out to local inhabitants. So another um, fairly disputed question is where and what defences should be implemented. So obviously this is a very important question to answer. Um, but as, as for what defences should be implemented, as I've previously mentioned, the defences seen in neither sections are the use of dikes and storm surge barriers and flood protection dunes. They would act as measures of defence to help protect the local communities of those areas. And the main area, of course, that sees coastal erosion and all these storms is the west coast. This is the most at-risk area for coastal flooding, and therefore they will require the, the strongest defences. Um, so the coast off of Tremor, uh, Dungarvan and Cork along the south coast, uh, these places will require um, some, some level of defences. And of course, with Cork having the second highest population in the country, it's very important that that area is protected and that isn't at risk of serious flooding. Um, additionally, waterways into Tralee and Limerick are also at serious risk. And these areas have higher populations and more homes than other areas along the west coast. So flood defences would need to be prioritised for these areas. Um, as, for the as for the cost, I've already mentioned that this wouldn't be cheap. It will be an investment. Um, rough estimates for flood defences along the west coast of Ireland will be roughly 1 to 3 billion euro. That figure is based on a number of factors. Uh, for example, the flood defences of Niedersachsen uh, cost roughly 2 billion euro, euro in today's money to implement. And as well as the Minister for State of Office of Public Works and Flood Relief, Kevin Moran, uh, he gave an estimation of just over a billion euro for defences of the entire country, um, mostly along the West Coast. And it's also worth noting that these estimated costs now only include that of construction. These defences will require maintenance well into the future after they're constructed, and that will, of course, raise the costs as years go by. But I think we could all agree it's a smart investment to make. It will protect people, it will protect homes, and it will also mean that uh, the Irish government won't have to um, sort of bail out, if you will, areas that are affected by these uh, coastal erosion and storms. So I think on to Jack yeah, now so again. That's been us for talking the Peak Podcasters. We've had Owen talking about a case study and how this is affecting people personally and how nostalgia plays a big effect in this. We've had Jamie Lee giving you back, a bit of background about how coastal erosion happens and why. And then we had me talking about the media. The media's role to play in all this. And finally, we had Kieran with solutions and the future plans going into this. And if anyone has, anyone have any final thoughts or comments? Um, yeah, if I could just mention uh, the website oh, yeah. as well. So if anybody wants to find out any more information on this, um, we can link a website. It's all the, every, all the work that everybody's done. It's all there. And you can see all the information you'd need to find out on that website. Thank you.